What do you get when you combine the most exciting young team in the league, a passion for the Big Easy and a rural West Aussie? That's right, the Pelicans Scoop, football's very own Pelicans podcast. See, I am very excited to see how they proceed. You know, you've got a point guard, you've got a small forward, you've got a power forward who looks like to be an absolute beast. You keep those guys together, then you've got Josh Hart off the bench who is heart and soul of the team. I've said that a couple of times on here. It's my favourite part. Join me, Lyle Swithenbank, as we cruise down the Mississippi chatting all things Pel. We run through the full alphabet from B. B.I. through to ZW. B.I. wants to be the man and should be the man. Give him the ball. He looks like a stud. So what are you waiting for? Join us at Hoopball Pills on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere podcasts are found. Come on, let's go spin some yarns. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Uh, what, what's up, guys? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Williams. I have with me again today, Mr. Lyle Swithenbank from the uh, Pelican Scoop, the Hootball Pelicans coverage. Lyle, welcome to the show again, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Um, yeah, feeling feeling very excited to, to talk some hoops today. We are getting close we are very close to the restart of the nba season if it does indeed go on there have been uh more reports today of people setting out or missing because they tested positive so i don't know where that's gonna go but right now we're right around the three-week mark of uh of well just the countdown getting excited getting ready for basketball to come back i know that i'm ready for it yeah i'm gearing up for it um Chopping at the bit, really. I've been watching the basketball tournament on ESPN. Um, has been my only source of basketball at the moment. Um, yeah, so gearing up for the NBA. You can see them all flying in there now, and the Twitter feeds are going wild with guys uh, testing positive to corona or uh, deciding to sit out. So going to be very, very interesting to see what teams are actually put on the floor and, and, and in what form, I guess, uh, when we actually do fire back up on the uh, on the 30th of july yeah yeah there's definitely uh you know i, I was gonna save this for a little bit later but we can go ahead and we've we've jumped right into it here you know the, the nets are one team that that are really you know they've got four guys not including the two injuries that they had you know in, in Kyrie and kd but they have four other guys that are not gonna be at the bubble because of corona and so it, it's our covid but you know what what kind of roster what are the nets going to look like without you know you got spencer dinwiddie deandre jordan wilson chandler and now today uh i, I saw it first from uh adrian wojanowski that uh Tarn prince is uh positive and he will not be going to the bubble so that they are not going to be uh any, anybody that is matching up against the nets it's like you're going to be getting a G League team, maybe. I don't know what's going to happen there. That's uh, That roster is definitely looking pretty thin at this point. Absolutely. And, I mean, they signed Tyler Johnson, but, again, he'd been uh, floating around as a free agent for a, for a little while. And, again, is he a guy that moves the needle? Probably not. Um, you know, those key pieces that aren't going um, – I mean, we're going to see a lot of Jared Allen. We're going to see a lot of uh, Karis LeVert. I think he might be shooting 35 shots a game um, purely just because they'll have those available. There'll be no one else to do it. So going, will they make you another roster move and, and pick someone up? I mean, there's still guys out there that, that could probably join the roster and, um, and expand them. But again, they're sitting there holding on to that, um, oh, well, yeah, the seventh spot, I think it is at the moment. And... You know, they've got to win some games. Those those eight games are going to be critical for them, um, especially with, I mean, the Wizards have lost a few guys as well, and Buell sitting out. Um, as of today, he's announced. So going to be interesting to see who fights for that final uh, spot and whether or not the Magic holds on to it or, or the Wizards somehow magic something up, uh, mind the pun, um, to, to take that spot or if the Nets just free fall that east is wide open now i thought it was probably said and done but now i don't know what's going to happen yeah it's you know uh bertans was already setting out and he got a little bit of uh a little 
lashback because of that. And I kind of understand his point, you know, he's going into free agency. And so uh, why risk it? Why risk it for him? You know, he, he's looking at a pretty decent payday going into free agency. If he goes and he plays, they don't, you know, they don't make the, the playoffs and he gets injured, then he could lose a significant amount of money. So I was not on the side of, of having an issue with him setting out or even the, the Avery Bradley deal because of his family. You know, he didn't didn't want to take the chance of, of putting his, his child at risk. Completely understand that. It's just, it's going to be weird to see what the, the Nets are going to do, what the, you know, the the Wizards are only missing a couple guys in Bertans and Beal at this point. I've not heard of anyone else from from them that is going to be setting out. But the Nets are going to have to get, they're going to have to sign free agents because of everybody that they're missing. And what kind of chemistry, what kind of team are you going to put on the court? Obviously, you're going to have some guys that have been there that have played together through the season because you still, you know, you have a 15 man roster, you're missing four guys. There's still guys there, but even the, the guys that they had, you know, you're missing DeAndre Jordan and Dinwiddie and Prince. Like those guys were key guys on that team and they ate up a lot of minutes on the floor. So what kind of, who is out there that you're going to go and get that's going to be able to take that kind of minutes and, and they're definitely not going to bring that type of production. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's no like-for-like like players out there. I mean, you can't just go and sign a, a new Kevin Durant, can you, to, <laughs> to no, replace no. a guy like that? Um, so the Nets are definitely in a precarious situation as to what's going to happen there. I mean, do you just run the young guys and, and treat it as an opportunity to, to get some minutes into some of those those guys that um, probably missed out with the changing of the guard, with Kenny Atkinson um, getting sacked and... And then, um, and then, then moving DeAndre Jordan into the starting lineup. I mean, Jared Allen is a guy that should be playing anyway. In my opinion, I think he's a great player, and um, so any more of him to see, I think he'll be he'll be key there. But otherwise, yeah, the Nets are just in disarray. I mean, in terms of the chemistry, that is like you said, that is going to be a huge factor. These guys are basically going to be introduced to guys that they may not have even known before to start playing with, and they've got eight games to get it right before they head into a playoff schedule against guys like Giannis or, um, you know, the Raptors are a great side. Philly's no doubt going to come back firing. Celtics as well. The East at the top end is fairly stacked, and if your team is a little bit uncertain, you're just going to get absolutely rolled. The the thing, when they made the move to start DeAndre over Allen... I didn't understand that, and, and I'll tell you why. I went to a game early in the season. It was actually the Grizzlies' first win of the season against the Nets. They, like, DeAndre Jordan had no go in him. You know, back when he was in L.A. and just a defensive juggernaut, like, you saw a fire. You saw, like, he would put out the extra effort to get there to make the block and it just looked like he was standing around with his feet in the mud and I didn't get obviously I think that the talent is still there and maybe maybe it showed you know in practice maybe he turned it around but in that game in Memphis I was like man I know he's definitely not old but like by NBA standards he is a little bit it, did, did he fall off that much that he just doesn't have that next gear anymore? Is it completely gone or does he just not want to try? And, you know, there's no, we're not going to know that answer to that for sure. But, you know, Jared Allen being young and, and he's already, you know, he's fearless. He will go up. He's been, uh, been dunked on a few times, but he's also blocked a few dunks and, and guys like that, it, you know, it's a risk versus reward and he's going to take his chances. He'll take the lumps because he's going to – I think he's going to end up blocking about as many times as he gets dunked on, really. So Absolutely. Yeah, that that one just didn't – it didn't didn't do it for me. I didn't understand that one, but it is what it is. So we'll, we'll move on from that. You know, it, it is uh, – we're the reason I brought you back on, we want to talk about the Pelicans. We want to talk about the Grizzlies. And uh, 
and the race in the West. And actually, before we dig into that, let's, I, I, there's a few things that have been going on with Zion that I wanted to talk about, kind of get your, your point of view on it and see what you think about it. And then I, I have a few things to say about it and it's not me bashing Zion as it was last time that you were on. Um, so it was last week. I don't remember the day, but, uh, NBA 2k released their, I think they call it the futures cover with Zion, uh, as the cover athlete. And that there's been, obviously for me on Twitter, I have, you know, I follow a lot more people that are Grizzlies fans and, you know, I have some, I've been trying to add some people from the Pelicans fan base that are not real toxic. And so I'm, I'm seeing a, a mixture of people that were, oh, he doesn't deserve it versus the people that were super happy that he got it because they're Pelicans fans. And, uh, where were you at with that? Were you, uh, were you okay with him getting the, uh, the cover of 2k already, or do you feel like it's a little premature? Um, well, I mean, the way 2k has been headed, you know, they're, they're releasing the new Xbox, um, and PlayStation in the coming years. So I think that's well, this year, I think. And so that's why he will be the, the cover of the next generation, uh, 2k games. For me, I think it's fair that, that he's landed this and I'm happy for him. I mean, this guy looks like he's going to be an absolute beast in the 19 games, you know, yeah, it's a small sample size, but again, he hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, he probably is going to be the face of the league going forward if he can stay healthy, touch wood. Um, so I'm not too upset about that. I mean, they introduced guys like LaMelo Ball and, and RJ Barrett and all these other young guys into the game as well as, as next-gen stars. So for me, I suppose the, the headliner of, of all of that are guys like Zion, like Jamarant, but I think Zion is this own brand in himself. He's this marketing behemoth. And they would have done all that research to say, who is the guy that everyone's going to identify with? I mean, he's, he's not Zion Williamson, um, Pelicans player. He's he's Zion. And I think he's bigger than than the brand. And, and I think that's why they've, they've tapped him on the shoulder. And, and fingers crossed he develops into this player that is so hotly hyped and and, um, yeah, I mean, I might be a bit biased as a Pelicans guy, but, again, I wasn't mad to see it unveiled, and, and I think good on him. I think take your, take your props when they're given. <laughs> yeah. Man, I may uh, I may get torched for this, but I'm, I'm on the same page as you. And, you know, he, he has been marketed since college, before, you know, he – you knew who he was even before he agreed to like before he committed to go to Duke because of social media and video, you know, you see videos of him just dominating in high school. And then he goes to one of the premier colleges and he does extremely well there and he's dominating at that level. And then when he comes in and yes, it is only 19 games and you can use that as a kind of a strike against him. But, if you're talking about overall, like people knowing who is this, who, you know, if, if I put Ja Morant and Zion side by side across the country, across the world, more people are going to know Zion than they know Ja. And, and that's just, you know, you could argue different people for that cover, but because of the nature of this show, we're going to talk about these two guys and so I, I don't have an issue with it. I I hope that he develops into the player that they're projecting him to be because it's going to be fun to watch. You know, do I want Ja to do well in the Grizzly? Of course, of course I want those things. But I'm not on the boat of I want to see Zion completely flop because he's getting all of this high. No way. I'm not going to wish that on this kid. He, he has put in the work. He's put in the effort. And he has got himself to this level, let him have it. Congratulations. And I think that this is probably just the first of many things to come for him based off of the, the, the things that we've seen so far in his career. Absolutely. And I, I think we all have our team alliances, but at the same time, we're all NBA fans as well. You know, we, we talk about this stuff and we promote it and, and, and review it and, and, but overall we love it. And that's why I think at the end of the day, if it's going to market the casual fan and say someone um, sees Zion and they go, that guy looks 
like a like a big beast and I know who this guy is and, and that's more, more viewers coming to the game to watching it and they might not go and say I'm going to be a Pelicans fans. It might be exactly the same. They might get the LeBron effect and they say I'm going to actively um, you know cheer against him and, and go for a different team. But if that's someone else that's being brought to this game, well, I think that's that's all the better for it. And I think, um, you know, Zion, Jar, they're all... These guys are the face of the league going forward. I can see the, the thinking behind it is that it's the next generation, you know, when LeBron's gone, when Giannis is ageing, when, when Kevin Durant's at least 31, 32, coming off injuries. The, the current faces of our league are moving into that next phase. They're not going to be here forever. So... Mm-hmm. To be able to put a guy like Zion, he's just turned 20, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, as the face, they're saying this is going to be what the league is going forward. This is one of the guys you're going to see and, and come and watch and come and play and and, and get involved. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he, he's hit the front and I, and I think you're exactly right. The brand recognition is, is a big thing there. Um 2K marketing team, I don't think... Uh, they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, they, they put him on there because the casual fan knows who he is. Right, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when when you have hardcore fans, there's going to be things that they know that they don't have to target the hardcore fans because the hardcore fans are going to be there regardless. They want exactly. to get the people that are kind of on the fence about it. And when you get a face that they know... That's what's going to reel them in, and I, just like I said, I I have zero issue with this. I'm, you know, if it had been Ja, would I've been more excited? Yeah, sure, I would have. But I I understand, and that's uh, it, it is it's tough to watch people because some people get super toxic about this stuff, and I'm like, it's really it doesn't make that much difference. It's the cover of a video game. It's a big deal, sure, but you know, don't put it on him. Zion didn't go to them begging to be the cover athlete. They went to him. They choose who they want and they picked him. And, you know, I I saw, and, and it wasn't surprisingly, it wasn't all Grizzlies fans that were hating because of the fact that he had only played a short amount of games. And one guy, he pointed out that LeBron played in the league for like, I think it was nine or 10 years before he got on the cover yeah, it doesn't always have to be the best player in the league on the cover of the game, and that that's occurred multiple times throughout the uh, the history of this game that it hasn't been the best player, and uh, you know I'm fine with that. So, congratulations to Zion. Good luck, and uh, you know I, I think that the the hype that 2K has built up around their game by choosing him. Whether you know, a lot of people say whether you have uh, any publicity is good publicity. So you know if you're getting positive from it, you're getting negative from it. It's all building up the the game, and I'm sure they're hoping they're going to sell more copies than they ever have. So we'll see about that. Yeah, One other, I mean, all of the marketing and the like around it, they've they've piped it right up. They have got the three cover athletes. One of them being the late Kobe Bryant, the other being Damian Lillard. You know. They, they know what they're doing. They're, they're picking guys that uh, the people want to see and, and that are going to sell copies. At the end of the day, that's what they're doing. So, you know, if that gets people involved with the NBA, well, I'm happy with that. One last Zion thing, and then we will uh, we'll move into the the schedule. Had these uh, the eight games before the playoffs. We'll discuss that. But uh, th- did you see the new? Uh, I'm going to call it a charm. It's a, it's a chain Zion, the custom made chain that Zion had made. First off, but before you answer that, are you, uh, are you an Avengers guy? Did you watch those movies? Yeah, no, I'm a big, uh, big Marvel person. So yeah, I've seen them all and yeah, love them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So when I saw that, I was very excited. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't been on Twitter, if you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, Zion got a custom made charm and it's uh, it's Thanos's uh, glove, and it's holding the basketball. It it looks amazing. There's some uh, really close like zoom in pictures of it where you can see the detail. It has all Infinity Stones on it. Um, it's 
man, you know, I, I don't have that kind of money to buy something like that. But if I did, I probably would. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Marvel nerd and Marvel and basketball together in one boom, take it, just take my money, send it down, send it to me. Let's go. No, uh, that was, uh, that was super cool. I really, really like that. And, uh, one of, one of my, uh, one of the guys, the beat writers in Memphis, uh, saying he, he tweeted at John Moran. He's like, all right, man, you got to step it up. And he, he had a picture of the, uh, the gauntlet and he's like, you can't let him outdo you on this. And I, I'm not sure what, uh, what Ja can bring to overcome the, uh, the gauntlet with the basketball, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe he brings something to it. Absolutely. I, I think it, it looks really cool. Um, it, it shows me, or it gives me flashbacks of uh, when Ben Simmons, uh, famous Australian, uh, bought a charm himself. He bought a boxing kangaroo and he had that and was wearing it around his neck. Um, similar thing. I mean, this um, this thing that he's got, this um, Thanos infinity stone glove you know i just think it just looks wicked uh, i reckon good on him go and uh go and show it off and uh you know we're all young at some point so um you know i'd, I'd wear one as well if i could i'd probably get laugh because i'm not half as built as he is but uh <laughs> yeah yeah no good on him yeah it would look a look a lot bigger on me than it does on him because he is a, a mountain of a dude for sure absolutely all right, so let's. Uh, I got the Grizzlies schedule pulled up here and um, just run through that real quick and then want to compare them, break them down, and get predictions, see uh, what you think the Grizzlies are going to do, and then we'll move to the Pelican schedule and talk a little bit about the, the differences. So yeah. the, the Grizzlies, eight games, first game, uh, they, they go Trailblazers, Pelicans, Thunder, Celtics. Spurs, Jazz, Raptors, and they end with the Bucks. And when this was first released, I I, I was going to do a show and talk about this as soon as it re- was released, but I wanted to sit back and kind of wait and watch how people responded to the scheduling and see what their take was and then do a show about it and talk about it, like give you my points and you know, also watching reactions give you uh, a, another little something to add to your conversation. So, as a as a Pelicans guy, you know, the remaining eighteen games the Grizzlies had the hardest schedule in the league. The Pelicans were closer to the easiest schedule, or maybe was it the Pelicans had the easiest and the Grizzlies were closer to the hardest? I can't. Remember. It's been too long. Now. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's pretty tough. You, you're looking at, you know, there's not an easy game in that schedule anywhere. And, and not that when you're going into this bubble with the teams that are invited to the bubble, you're not really going to get a uh, quote-unquote easy game. But it, it's a pretty tough road for the the Grizzlies. This, uh, this eight games could be really, really tough on the, the game that I look at, you know, obviously the Pelicans game is the second game that they play uh, August 3rd. But if I'm looking at this schedule, the Spurs matchup on the second is probably going to, that would like slide in as the easiest game because the Spurs are going to be missing LaMarcus Aldridge. And that's not, you know, that that team, you know, can definitely still beat you, even though they're missing him. Um, they didn't take it easy on them. I think that the league, as a whole, done a good job making these eight game schedules because it was not a, a slot of, hey, let's make it easy for the teams that are there. We're gonna. It feels like they kind of looked at what the remaining schedule was and based it off of that. So I was, well, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of easier schedule for the Grizzlies, but also know what they had in those eighteen games. So I like this is okay with me. I, they the the Blazers game they could win that game, could win the Spurs game. The Pelicans have thumped the Grizzlies all year long. You know, 
that that's um I just honest to goodness the the Grizzlies Pelicans that matchup for the Grizzlies is just it's tough it's it's not a good matchup for them that game could go either way um, the Grizzlies they've beat the Jazz already this year OKC is a tough game and man I can't pick you know like I said the the one game that is kind of the easiest is the Spurs but. I can't look at this schedule and say, hey, there's one team on here that I feel like we match up against as the Grizzlies that we can dominate this team. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and with the original 18 games, I know they, they worked it out by just removing the teams that weren't going to be there um, to finalize the uh, it worked out. Um, that they all had around eight games. I think they must have tweaked it a little bit to make sure that everyone uh, played the same amount. But, you know, Memphis has been dealt a pretty tough um, draw towards the end of the season. You know, does that mean that they had an easier season um, earlier on? Well, you know, it's all conjecture, I suppose. And I think the hardest thing about all of this is, is we can all cast our, I suppose, predictions with it all, but it's the biggest question mark until we actually get in there and see what these guys look like. You know, every team has had three and a half months off. Um, guys are, are missing players. Memphis is going to be healthy for the most part from, from all reports. Um, the Pelicans will be in the same boat. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this plays out once it's actually on the court and these teams are out are out there playing. Um, you know, New Orleans has a pretty big, a pretty hectic schedule as well, it looks like. For most part, it might have a few easier um, matchups. I know that uh, we have belted you a couple of times, the, uh, the Pels and the Grizz, so that'll be a, a game to watch. You're spot on with the Memphis-San um, Antonio game. I think that is a must win. I think Memphis can't drop that one um, just to protect their own space. And they need to make sure that to avoid that play in that, that they win as many of these games as possible. If they drop a couple of the ones that have to be perceived as the gimmies, I guess, or the easier games, um, you know, all of a sudden the Pelicans or even Blazers or or um, the the Kings as well can all trigger that play in. They're all on fairly similar standings. So, you know, if Portland drops the first one, then they're probably done. Um but otherwise, it is going to be very, very interesting to see how that, that final spot plays out. And, um, yeah, I think it's it really is the, the Grizzlies' uh, spot to lose at this point. Um, they've got a hard road, but if they can just pull out a couple of upsets, if they could beat Utah, um, that'd be pretty good. If, if they could beat the Pelicans, it'd be good for the Grizzlies, not so good for the Pels. But, um, you know, be very interesting to see how this all all plays out uh, going forward and, and whether or not the uh, the standings just remain as they are and, and we head into the playoffs, yeah, standing pat. But it'll be interesting to see, no doubt, the uh, the cheeky eight-game schedule. You know, they've got the, you know, you're talking about the East being loaded in the top and their last three games are against, you know, three of the top teams in the East. Mm. So where where do those teams sit in the standings? Their their last game is against the Bucks. So this looks like you know that's going to be the last game prior to the playoffs. Are the Bucks going to be locked in? And so they only play their guys part time. That could play in the Grizzlies' favor. There's a lot of uh, variables whenever it comes to it. You know, if you get down to the Raptors, Celtics, and Bucks, and though the those teams are still playing, like there's something at stake for those teams and you're playing them at full strength and you know the the grizzlies are underdogs in all three of those games and that's not a you know i i'm not trying to take a cheap shot at the grizzlies but it just is what it is you know there's the the grizzlies are young and they're just not at that level yet you know you got raptors celtics bucks back to back to back and like you say the the earlier games the spurs the jazz you know, I really feel like in order for the Grizzlies to make the playoffs, I feel like the Pelicans, maybe not that game, maybe not the third, 
but I feel like they will have to beat the Pelicans in order to maintain that eight seed. So whether it be that third game or if they meet them in a uh, in a play-in game, I think they're going to have to beat the Pelicans at some point. And like I said, I, I think that the Pelicans are just a tough matchup for the Grizzlies because you have, you know, stars are stars, and stars are going to do the things that you need them to do in most cases. But your secondary guys are what really makes a difference. And the speed of... Um, and I apologize. I'm probably at Melly. Is he? He's one of your like the stretch big guys. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and he just Valanchunas cannot keep up with him. He he cannot. He's a Melly is just too fast. And it just that lineup when they were playing Melly out there, you you couldn't even have Valanchunas on the floor, and it took away from what the Grizzlies like a, a weapon that the Grizzlies have, and so. Not that Melly in particular makes it a tough matchup. Obviously, you have Zion and Drew and JJ Redick, and you know there's Derek Favors. There's other guys on that team, but just overall, like the from top to bottom, the Grizzlies Pelicans matchup is a tough matchup for the Grizzlies. Yeah, absolutely, and you know when you come across matchups like that, you know, like you said, Melly and Valanciunas. It negates a huge weapon for for the um, Grizzlies because he sits there as a as a wall. You know you can't get around him. He rebounds like an absolute monster. He he's on works on both ends of the ground. But when you've got quick guys that stretch the floor, all of a sudden you have to adjust to that team and and it, and it yeah it makes you change your own game plan, I guess. And and that is going to be difficult, honestly. It's unfortunate the Grizzlies have got the well. I mean, it's good for the Pelicans, but for the for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies fans, you know, to come up against the three top teams in the East, probably when they're gearing up to go into the playoffs, that is the worst timing. I think you know, if you had to face those guys in the middle couple of games, say you got them as four, five, and six, or even uh, three, four, and five, I don't think they're going to play each of their guys 30-plus minutes a game. I think the main guys are going to be playing maybe 25 just to get a bit of run in the legs and get a bit of shot, mm-hmm. uh, get a bit of rust out, sorry. But to cop them as your final three, you know, they're gearing up for the playoffs. You're going to be getting 36 minutes of Giannis, probably. You just don't know, like, well, what, what side are you going to get to that? And that's, yeah, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. You know, I'd much rather face them at, at game two or game three than face them at, at game eight where they're where they're really gearing up. But um, you know, the thing about these these grizzly guys though is that they they scrap and that it might not be the the grit and grind of old, but that's still there and that's still ingrained in that Memphis team that they will just keep going. And and that was something that I like in I Honestly, I really enjoy watching the Grizzlies games and, and because they play a brand of basketball that is tough. And, you know, they, they might catch a few teams off guard if they can really dig in. Well, here's hoping for you guys, not for the Pels fans. <laughs> All right. So now but before we move on to the Pels schedule, we're gonna, I'm going to look at this. And, like, I already I have my mind made up. I was looking at it kind of picking and choosing I want your prediction. What do you think the Grizzlies will finish this eight-game stretch? What do you think their record is in in these eight games? And you you can be, uh, you can give me an honest opinion. You don't have to uh, be nice because it is a Grizzly show. If you if you think zero and eight, you can shoot that out there. It's all right. I don't. I honestly don't think they're going to go zero and eight. I think they're going to be better than that. I think they're going to beat. Um, who are they going to beat? They pro they should beat Portland, I reckon. But then again, Portland's going to get a couple of players. So that's probably 50-50. Um, you know, I think they'll beat San Antonio. I think without LaMarcus Aldridge, they're just too small. Um, Jakob Pertl's going to have to play big minutes. I think Pelicans are going to beat you. <laughs> but I might be biased. Um, I honestly think you guys match up well with Utah Jazz. So I think that could be a... That'll be a good one, you know, especially with no Bogdanovich. He's opted out. Um, I think that's a guy that really spreads the floor for them. And if they don't have that, that 
throws them into um, a bit of disarray. Joe Ingles will have to play bigger minutes um, if he goes. Um, I think you will beat... Uh, I think the OKC one will come down to the wire. I think Memphis could win that. Um, the Toronto game, it depends what version of Toronto you're going to get. Um, you know, they're gearing up. That's Sunday the 9th of August. They'll be looking at heading into the playoffs probably that next week. Um, so guys will be starting to come back. You might catch them on the tail end and they don't have all their players playing big minutes. So fingers crossed you could pull that one out. We also got to remember that in all of these games, no team has home court advantage. So the crowd's out of it. You know, the, heading up to Toronto is notorious for being a tough matchup because of the crowd as well. Celtics are the same. Mm-hmm. So you take that out, what version of these players are you going to get when they don't have that six man on the court being the crowd and the fans? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they can play into that, if, 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 if that is taken to the Grizzlies' advantage and they say, well, all right, your crowd is out of it, you don't have that surge when a big dunk happens. It's it really is just to go through the motions, grind it out, sort of, sort of, um, I suppose competition. So it's going to be interesting to see how much of a factor that plays into some of these big teams, as well. When a huge three from Fred Van Vliet goes in and no one says anything, you know, you don't get that momentum surge that, that with the crowd behind you. So, um, yeah, honestly, I, I think Memphis could go could go four and four. I think they could go five and three as well. So I think the only three that you could really count them out of is the three um, Eastern Conference ones. I reckon. I think, yeah, those those teams are powerhouses and they're just as good as any team in the West. Um, the rest, I think, are gettable. Maybe not the Pelicans. So you probably could go three five or five three, depending on a couple of those question mark games. But it wouldn't surprise me if they if they went five and three. Yeah, I was uh, sorry. I, I was sitting at the at four and four at five hundred, yeah. and that is like the the three Eastern Conference teams. Obviously, any given day, any team can beat any team. But you know, you're looking at paper matchup. Those three yeah. teams are superior to the Grizzlies at this point. the The Blazers, if this was last season then I would hands down take the Blazers over the Grizzlies. But Damian Lillard and the Blazers, they they have not looked good this year. There's nothing that they have done, even when they were, you know, which they they were not ever, I guess, fully healthy because of, um, oh, my goodness, Nurkic breaking his leg. You know, he, he didn't come back. But Whiteside had a great season up there. But they just were not the team from, from last year, they, they didn't have it. They didn't have the same look. They didn't have the same feel like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, that team does not frighten me at this point. So I, I, I honestly believe that they can win the Blazers game without LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, they, I think they can any, again, any of the games you can lose, but I, I think that they can win the Blazers game, the Spurs game, and they've beat the Jazz already this year, and I'm I'm a complete slacker. I had no idea that Bogdanovich had opted out. I had no clue that he was not going to be there, and he had a stellar season for the Jazz. That's a uh, that's a big hole for them to fill. You know, it's a that's 20 points a game, and where are you going to get that? And maybe you know Mike Conley was not playing to the level that Mike Conley normally plays at. Maybe he steps it up. And he fills that hole. You know, Joe Ingles has started for them, and he's produced. Still a dangerous team. Even without Bogdanovich, they're still a dangerous team. But I think the Blazers, Spurs, and Jazz, I think that they can win those. I feel confident that they can win those games. And then the Thunder Pelicans, those two games I think can go either way. And a, there's a lot of variables going into those last three, but if you're making, if you're forcing me to pick right now, I don't see the Grizzlies winning any of those last three. So I'm four and four, three and five, five and three. If they get out of there, if they get out of this eight games at 500, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, I think that you, you they have to win the Spurs and the Jazz game. I, I think because if you go in. If you get into that last three game stretch and you have to win, 
two out of three Raptors, Celtics, Bucks, I think they're going to be in trouble. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch. I'm ready for basketball to be back, and man, th- this is just going to be it's going to be so much different than anything else before. Not that not that basketball is different, but none of these guys have ever experienced a, a layoff and then like go right back into playoff style basketball. You know, usually you have your off season and then you come back, you got preseason, you do the regular season, and then you're getting that playoff push. And now it's like you had an off season and you're coming right back in and you're going straight into the playoff push. So I think that the health of the players, like, you know, obviously they're going to be bringing their A game. They have to bring their A game. But what, where's the line at? Like, what what are you willing to risk for the shortened season moving moving forward? So, you know, is does a championship mean less because it was a shortened season? Nah, I don't think so. So, for some of these guys, I don't I don't think that that makes a difference. But I don't know. There's just there's a ton. There's a lot to it. And I know I'm, I'm going to stop saying that. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But I, I'm really excited to watch how this plays out. I think it's just going to bring a whole different level of excitement to the game. So, all right, we'll move on. Pelican schedule. They lead off with the Jazz. They go Jazz, Clippers, Grizzlies, Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings, and they end with the Magic. I will let you lead on this one. So, I mean, for the Pelicans, it's, it is a much easier schedule, I suppose, on paper than than um, what the Memphis Grizzlies have. I mean, you have to admit that. Does that mean they faced harder opponents and a harder schedule during the year? Not necessarily, but we'll claim it. Yeah, you know, um, going back into this, and again, you know, I think we beat the Jazz. I think, um, I mean, Bogdanovich went and opted for wrist surgery. He'd been um, hounding that, or had been hounding him all all year, and then he decided, no, I'm not coming into this uh, bubble. I'm, I'm going to get the operation and get that sorted. So he went and did that. Um, I don't know how that went down with some of the teammates, but again, it is what it is. I mean, firstly, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head as, as to the – He's still playing for a championship. I don't think this takes away anything. I think there's still something to play for. And if anything, there should be an asterisk that it was the hardest one that you ever had to win because you didn't have the crowd. You, you weren't in your own bed. You you had to go through all these protocols. I mean, getting tested for coronavirus from all reports is not a pleasant experience and you've got to do it every day. Um, you know, the, I, I just think that this could be one of the hardest championships in, in history that they'll ever look at. It's probably a big call, but, you know, you're against all odds at this point. You know, everyone is, um, whether your team's stacked like the Lakers or, or it's um, or it's like the Nets and is just getting held together with sticky tape, you know, there's there's always something to play for. And I think um, guys are going to come out and, and have a real crack at this, um, or the guys that get on the court. I mean, in terms of um, the Pelicans going forward, we're all healthy. Everyone's looking good. Um, everyone's got something to play for. They uh, They had a... Uh, a Zoom media conference with uh, Brandon Ingram yesterday or the day before, and uh, he came out and said that he had no doubts about playing. He had suffered previously with blood clots uh, about this time last year, I think it was, before he was traded down to, to New Orleans. Um, and and that ended his season with the Lakers last year, but for him, that's all cleared off now. So he could technically be counted as high risk, but again, he, he wants to play, and these these Pelican guys are, are, are keen to get in there. I mean, there was a photo of Zion that came out of him um, in the gym, and he looks like he's absolutely jacked now. Um, I think a knock on him before was that he looked like um, he was a bit, uh, I suppose, pudgy around the guts, but he, he seems to have shredded all that down and looks like an absolute man possessed. Um, I've seen some videos of Lonzo Ball pumping weights, all these guys, they're looking ready. So um, it's going to be an upstart New Orleans team, which I think they realise that if they don't come out and play and win consistently, they're going to be in a lot of strife. And, and you know, you'll come and spend eight games and then go back to New Orleans or, or wherever you're from and and we'll be done. So, I mean, 
I think we can beat Utah. I think we can beat... Um, I think the Clippers are a good side, but again, it's going to be what version of them do we get? Do we get a full 30 minutes of Kawhi and, and Paul George? We get them early, so those guys could potentially only play 25 minutes and then say, no, we're we're not worried about seeding. We're just going to play uh, the young guys and gear up towards um, the back half of the uh, of the restart. Um, then who do we have? We've got um, then we got the Memphis game. We have matched up well against you guys, but again, Memphis is healthy. New Orleans is healthy. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big game. Um, it's going to be very interesting. It's ESPN broadcaster game in Australia, so I'll be geared up to watch that. Um, be very excited. Uh, who else have we got? Then we take on Yo, well, who's uh, next? King, Kings after the oh, Grizzlies. Kings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Kings, yeah, so take the Kings on. Yeah, you got to beat that. You have to beat the Kings. Um, they're vying for the same spot as you. So if you don't come out and beat the Kings, well, you're setting them up. You know they could. You know they've brought extra teams across for this exact reason that um, they're all eligible to make the playoffs. So the Kings are a side that's going to come out and and have a crack as well. I reckon they're healthy. We don't know what they look like. You know they've got Bagley back. They'll have um, Sean Holmes healthy. They're, they're a much improved team when they're fully healthy. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they pull out. Hopefully Pelicans can pull that one out. You know, I, I would, again, the Magic and, and the Wizards are teams. I think we should beat the Wizards now. They've got no Beal. Um, the Magic team is is up and down. I think we could beat them. You know, if, if we went five and three, I'd be pretty happy. Um, I'd be really happy. If we went six and two, I'd be ecstatic. Um, I think we have to go at least six and two to be able to push it. Um, to trigger that playoff or play-in, I think, um, all depending on how the standings are. I, I just don't think you can afford to drop too many of them. Um, I think yeah. they're all gettable, though. I think you could go 8-0. Um, but, I mean, I'm probably op- optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hey, nothing nothing wrong with that, man. That's uh, I, I think getting the Clippers early is a good thing for you all because the rust factor, right, Kawhi has always been a load management guy. That's that's what he's been doing all year. I don't see him just jumping out here and boom, 30 minutes right off. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think that you see him and Paul George. I think getting them in the early part of this, they're still knocking the rust off. Your guys are still doing the same thing. But you all, like the, the Pelicans have a little more on the line then the Clippers, the Clippers are in like they're there. They're, they're tuning up, but they're, they're going to be there. They're not at any risk of missing the playoffs at this point. And so they don't have to have as much urgency as what the Pelicans have. So that's a good thing. Um, I'll tell you the the matchup that I think is scary for the Pelicans is the Kings. They're playing them twice. And the Kings have, guys that I think are grossly underrated in what they can do, their abilities on the court. And De'Aaron Fox is an outstanding guard, very smart with the ball, quick, has an explosive first step, makes great decisions. And I think you have to have that in playoff-style basketball. And the the second guy on that roster that that's – you know, like not so much at hoop ball, you know, Dan and, and Brew, those guys love him. But Rashawn Holmes, man, he is a monster. And that's something that I think a lot of people overlook. They look at the Kings and they're like, well, yeah, the Pelicans should beat them. And they should. The Pelicans are going to be favored in that matchup. But I don't think that's a gimme. I, I think that's two games right there that the Pelicans are really going to have to dig in and really fight for those two but um, you know, I would love to see the Pelicans go zero and eight. That would be glorious. But uh, that's probably not going to happen at this point. My true guess, I think the you're going to be the Spurs, Wizards, and Magic. I, I don't know that those games are going to be close. I, the Wizards, man, what is that team? What are the who are they even throwing out there right now? You know, you, you've obviously got some of the young guys, but you know, no John Wall, no Bill, no Ratons. And so at that point, the rest of that Wizards roster is just not uh, 
there there's not any all-star caliber guys at this point in their career that you're putting out there against them. So I, I think that the Wizards game, hoping that they don't overlook it, because that can happen. You look at your schedule, and sometimes you tend to relax against a team that you know you should beat, and hopefully they don't run into something like that where they're they're cruising along, doing good work, and they get to, okay, you know, we, we started off 4-0, and and now we're playing the Wizards so we can take the foot off their throttle a little bit. I hope that doesn't happen. Actually, I kind of hope it does happen. It would be good for the Grizzlies. But, you know, you don't want to see that. If you're a Pelicans fan, you don't want to see them take their foot off the throttle. If they get to that point, 4-0, you're hoping they just keep it down. It's going to be interesting to see that Clippers game. That that could It's definitely a winnable game depending on what – like you say, what the uh, the Clippers are going to do, which are, are you going to have a lot of Kawhi and Paul George? Are you not? Um, but I, I think realistically the Pelicans can win six or seven of these games. I'm hoping that the Grizzlies can can take the one off of them on the third, but we'll see. Just like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to back down. I, I've been saying it all year, and, I, and I'll say it for the rest of – forever when we talk about this season the the pelicans are an extremely tough matchup for the grizzlies just because of the uh the role players the secondary guys and it's gonna be uh gonna be fun to watch so excited ready for basketball to be back ready to see what happens and how this all plays out we'll have to get back together we, we've talked about it a couple times now leading up to the bubble and now once all this goes down and we see uh, who makes the playoffs or maybe sometime in between now and the playoff time, we can get back together and do another show because uh, I enjoy getting together and chatting with you. And I always like to have other perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's been great fun. And I think we definitely have to tee something up. Um, yeah. For both the shows when, uh, when the Pelicans built the Memphis Grizzlies, of course. <laughs> oh man okay all right i see how it's gonna be i was trying to be nice but um honestly i'll let i'll let you take the shot today and then i'll just let the grizzlies do the talking on the floor and we'll see what happens yeah i know it's famous last words from me of course i probably <laughs> uh, i'll probably completely jinx it now and um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah no it's been absolutely pleasure and um yeah love jumping on with you and, and chatting uh Chatting hoops with you. It's always great fun. All right, man. I will let you uh, get your plugs in, let everybody know where they can find you before we uh, get out of here. Yeah, so uh, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. Um, I host Saturday Night Lyle on the Hoopball Facebook page. So that's uh, Hoopball Hoops at uh, when you type it into the little Facebook search bar or facebook.com slash Hoopball Hoops. Um, and also the host of the Pelican Scoop, which is at Hoopball Pels on Twitter. And you can find that anywhere that you can get podcasts. Make sure you go and have a look, search uh, Hoopball Pelicans, and it should come up there. We, uh, we've got some great guests on there in the recent weeks. So we'll get another one out soon and it'll be good. All right. And guys, you can find me. I'm on Twitter at DWill2111. The show is at Hoopball Grizz. Come and find us. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Hell suck. This has been a hoop ball presentation.